people try to use contentment as a weapon to silence singles because they're uncomfortable with our longing and our yearnings and our desires. And they don't know what to do with that. But when I'm talking about contentment, I'm talking about something that uh, this is spirit rock. Like I, I got here through much much wrestling, much prayer and fasting, much ghosting. <laughs> I'm like, this is, I'm not talking about something I don't know. I'm, I'm talking from lived experience. This is the Unsuitable Podcast, where I interview single Christians in order to broaden the conversation on singleness and expand our collective imagination of what is possible for the single life. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to be talking about being single and in the church, the good, the bad, and the awkward. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow, rate, and review so you don't miss new episodes episodes. I am super stoked to share today's conversation with y'all. Our guest is Akimini Uwan, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Akimini Uwan is a public theologian and co-author of Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. She is the co-host of the award-winning podcast Truth's Table and Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Akimini is also a contributing writer for Hallmark Mahogany, and Christianity Today named her among 10 new or lesser-known female theologians worth knowing. Her writings have been published in The Atlantic, The Washington Post, The Huffington Post Black Voices, Christianity Today, and The Witness, a Black Christian Collective, to name a few. Akimini has appeared on MSNBC, and her insights are quoted by NPR, CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The New Yorker, among other publications. As one who is passionate about theology, Akimini has a fierce commitment to the gospel and its implications for issues pertaining to racial injustice, anti-Black racism, and white supremacy. In today's episode, you'll hear Akimini and I talk about the unique injustices single Black women face, how to broaden the way we think about contentment, what healthy community and singleness looks like, and ways to uproot shame. This episode is jam-packed, but before we dive in, I want to tell you about Buzzsprout. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Podcasting is a great way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout makes it easy to get started. If you follow the link in the show notes, you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and you can help support the show at the same time. And with that, we're ready to dive into the conversation. So let's go. Hi, Akimini. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Mary B. Glad to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I've wanted to have you on for a while, and I'm so glad that it's worked out to have you on now, especially after your book came out. When did your book come out again? It was pretty recent, right? April 26th. Yeah, 2022. So yeah. Oh my gosh, super recent. So um, (laughs) that's the Lord's timing right there. One chapter in this book is on singleness. And so we're going to talk all about that a little bit later. But before we deep dive into that, I would love for you to tell the people a little bit about your spiritual journey and background. Doesn't need to be all tidy or anything just to give everyone a sense of where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm originally from California. I was um, uh, definitely a church kid. I was baptized in... um, catechized and all of those, all mm-hmm. of those, um, things in the Lutheran church. Uh, my parents are Nigerian immigrants. And so, um, and yeah, so I, I'm first gen and was raised in a church, but really the faith had not really come, was not my own 
Um, I, w- I really didn't come to a saving faith until I went to college, senior year in college is um, when I really was like, oh my goodness, wow. Like I really felt like I had an encounter um, with mm-hmm. God and I felt like I heard the gospel for the first time. It wasn't the first time I heard it, but it felt like it was the first time because um, it somehow it really did actually remove the scales from my eyes. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, like, and so, yeah, it was, I remember hearing, going to a um, black non-denominational church at the time, egalitarian church and um, called Hope's House and um, Pastor uh, Andrea Humphrey preached the word. And when she gave the call for salvation of the altar, I went down by God's grace and I'm, and I've been running for the Lord ever since. So been mm-hmm. walking and running for Jesus for a long time. Quite some time. Um, now, honestly, it's not been easy. <laughs> it's definitely had its challenges in that thing. You know, the sufferings we share, the sufferings of Christ. I know that people don't like to hear that, but that's just true. It has been a true blessing to know that I'm a child of God and no longer an enemy of God. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was. And um, I'm just really glad that um, the Lord came and saw about me. So it's an honor to be a servant of the Lord, a public servant of the Lord. Although it's hard, although it's difficult, although it has its challenges, it's not as glamorous as whatever people see or perceive. Let me say whatever people perceive, let me say, on social media and yeah, you know, whatever people project, you know, it's not, it's not, things are not quite what they they seem, you know, but but yeah, it's been a blessing, honestly, to be in the Lord. I'm really grateful for that. Really grateful. Mm-hmm. I love that. Now, you know, to get a little more specific, I would love to hear about your experience as a single woman in the church. Oh yeah. Well yeah. Well uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um <sighs> You know, it's 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 tough. I think for single black women, I think it's a it's a unique quandary, mm-hmm. I would say, because it's systematically engineered. Mm-hmm. You know, our singleness it is the result of heinous crimes against humanity that have been committed against our people, from the transatlantic slave trade to U.S. child slavery to mass incarceration, and so that has quite literally swept up a generation <laughs> of mm-hmm. black men who would otherwise be in the marriage pool yeah. that are not available in abundance to black women who want to be married to black men. And so it is uh, a true injustice of epic proportions has serious implications for our community. And it's lamentable in that regard but even our Black women who want to marry, who are open to marrying interracially, find themselves at the bottom of the totem pole due to racism, right? And due to stereotypical tropes about Black women and not being desired, right? In the ways that our white, our Latine, or even Asian, you know, sisters might be desired. And so that is another source of pain. I know, I know sisters that that are totally open, you know, to wanting to to date outside or trying to broaden their uh, dating pool. And they are still turning up with the same results uh, due to that. And so it's a true travesty. You know, it's one thing to not desire marriage or not, you know, not want to be a partner. And that's your prerogative. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Uh, But it's another thing when you do desire it and you cannot 
actualize that. Yeah. You know, and it really takes a miracle <laughs> from from God for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Then on the other hand, so that's the systemic portion. Then yeah. there's also the the theological malpractice within the church where marriage is idolized and put on a pedestal and married people are ascribed this like level of maturity that singles haven't attained because they are single, right? So there's also that theological malpractice um, that is harmful and dangerous that does map on, you know, to singles. I think in my own experience, I, because I'm in um, the Black church, it, which there are a host of variety of Black churches, so this hap- this does happen in the Black church. Just in my particular ones, maybe because there were so many Black women there that held it down, I didn't hear that too, too much. I mean, here and there, I think more than anything, I experienced some lack of care or protection hmm. in certain church spaces, right? So, I've, you know, I've had the experience of having a very misogynistic pastor who would say things that were unseemly and dishonorable and disreputable that ought not be said from the pulpit. And then yeah. he would say those things about women. And hmm. so what does it mean for you as a single woman to go and confront that, yeah. that male pastor, right? And you don't have any covering, as we would say, or protection because, you know, because people, people coalesce around power. And so you're left because of the power dynamics, you're left to either fend for yourself or be iced out. And so that's what I've experienced is spiritual abuse in that way. And yeah, and of course, there are sermons and things where you hear marriage idols. I'm not trying to act like I haven't heard that. I absolutely have, but more so the ways it's, I have seen myself disadvantaged as a single person is when an ethical issue comes up. And because I am a deeply justice oriented person, Mm. and I think critically, you know, about things that are said, particularly about women (laughs) Mm. from the pulpit. Then, you know, and it has to be redressed when there is a sin. When you, when you are objectifying women from the pulpit, that has to be ad- addressed. That's not a small thing. Yeah. You know, so, so those are some of the, like the systemic factors, the interpersonal, and then even the theological. So there's some layers to my own experience as a single Black woman in church. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I appreciate about your chapter and that you've spoken to in this episode so far is, um, you know, how much time you spent talking through these systemic factors that particularly affect single Black women. And one other thing you touched on in the chapter is how much of the advice tends to be maybe focused on like individual solutions. So putting the onus on singles to do more or do less as, as the case may be. Like you should put yourself out there more or, you know, that makes it seem like we're not doing enough or we're the problem. I'm just curious how you how you respond to that kind of advice and if that's changed over the years. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, there is some truth to that. Right. You, you, you do need to, you know, you do have. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You know, you do have to put in the work in order yeah. for, for this to happen. Right. Um, but at the end of the day. You know, at some point, it doesn't all fall, you know, on the individual. This is something, again, this is, you know, I always liken and make the comparison between singleness and infertility. Mm. I would say particularly for women, because men can decide today that they want to get married and they could go find somebody and get married. They can't. That's just 
the way it is. Okay. Marriage benefits men to a degree more than women yeah. in the grand scheme of things, according to the data, right? And it favors them because of the marriage markets. And so, but I do liken singleness with infertility in that the Lord is the one that puts people together. Mm. That of that I am convinced, you know, and and it's like when it comes to infertility, it's the the Lord is the one that opens and closes the womb, like you know, and you know, I know plenty, plenty of women who have struggled with infertility for many many years, and then they have, and then the Lord, you know, by by God's grace, answered their prayer and granted them their child, and then those who have struggled and struggled and struggled and have passed childbearing years and did not have children, you know. And then I know singles, my mentor, who longed and longed, longed for marriage, single black woman, loved the Lord. And she she passed away, she passed away at a very, very young age. And yeah, and never got to be, never got to be married, right? And so at the end of the day, it is the Lord that puts people together. We do our part. We do what we need to do, you know, or, or we don't sometimes. And you know what? Because God is gracious, God sometimes still does it. And I've seen God do it, you know, cause there's this, oh, well do this, right. Or don't be bitter or don't know us or, you know, do this and do that. I'm like, do you know how many mean and bitter people I know that are married today? You know? right. And they didn't change. They didn't do this. They didn't do that to go get their, to get their man or get their, get their um, woman. They didn't, they didn't have to do all of that, you know? So I think mm. at the end of the day, I think we have to r- realize that the blessings that we have are gifts from God. We do not earn them. Mm. What we earn are wages. <laughs> and do we really want to earn wages from God? Because the wages of our sin is death. That's mm. okay. I'm like, I don't think we want to earn <laughs> things from God. I don't think so. I think we want God's gracious gifts that come via blessings. And mm. so I think that, so I think there's a sense in which we have to just trust the Lord. Yes. Do what we have to do. Get on the dating apps or, or tell your community to, if you know of somebody, you know, I think there yeah. is a sense in which um, our faith has to be attached to something where there's, there's, there's a, there's a step of faith, you know, or, 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 mm-hmm. that, that we have to continually give, if it's your desire to continually bring that to the Lord and, and bring mm-hmm. that to maybe trusted friends, you know, um, Hey, can you look out? Can you, you know, what do you think about this person? You know, I have my eye yeah. on this, you know, whatever, do what you need to do um, in order to get what it is that you desire. But at the end of the day, the results <laughs> and the outcome belongs to God. And um, yeah. I think that's hard to accept for people because it's just not, marriage is not a blood-bought promise. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Everybody's not going to get married. And despite people's, you know, beliefs and, and wanting it to be a blood-bought promise, but it's not in there. It's not in the book, y'all. It's not a yeah. blood-bought promise. So what are you going to do <laughs> if it's not in God's will for you to be married? You have got to find, by God's grace, contentment. Right, um, mm-hmm. and satisfaction because we know that co- g- godliness with contentment really is of great gain, but it's hard to get there. It, um, yeah. it, it can be hard to get there, but but yeah, I, I yeah, so I mean, when people say you know, you do this, do that, do that, do that, yeah, 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 we can contort and do all these things, but we can't earn this thing, mm. and marriage is not an achievement. Yeah. If I enroll in college and I go to class and do all those things, you know, like that's an achievement. 
<laughs> I applied. I did everything I was supposed to for me to graduate from college. That's an achievement. Mm-hmm. Marriage is not an achievement. It is a yeah. gracious gift. It's wonderful, but there's no like school of marriage where I can go enroll and then four years later, I'm going to have my husband. That's that right. does not exist. It's not an achievement. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, marriage is not human marriage. Let me say, you know, um, marriage between man and woman is not eternal. We yeah. will all eventually be single again. Mm-hmm. You know? And so on this side, that's the unfortunate reality, right, of what it means to love someone and lose you know, mm-hmm. someone, but, you know, we know that that's, that's not ultimate, you know, um, marriage, you know, among um, each other is just not, it's not ultimate, but friendship is, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mental friendship is, that is eschatological. We will have friendships in glory when the bridegroom and the bride, the church, the bridegroom, Jesus are joined together. You know, we will all be together. there worshiping around God's throne, which is just, I can't wait for that day. But it's it's a good desire, you know, mm-hmm. to have, especially in this this hard world, a beautiful yeah. but hard world. <laughs> like, if you can go with somebody, you know, along the journey, then whew, thank God, you know. Yeah. But um, if you if if God doesn't have that for you, we have to believe and know that God does provide in different ways, and we know mm-hmm. that Jesus is with us, even when we can't feel him. Yeah. You said so much there that I want to touch on. It was so good. One thing I would like to hear a little bit more about is your relationship with your mentor. How did that come about? Can you tell us more about her? Oh, yeah. Well, I have a I have a couple of different uh, mentors. You mean the one that passed away? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. So at my church, where the church where I got saved, at Hope's House, I was a part of this discipleship ministry called uh, Me Management, which Elder Teresa Ordell started. And it was like a year-long discipleship program where every month had a module, me and my emotions, me and my heart, me and my mind, me and my body. Like I just, it was very holistic and comprehensive. I loved it. And um, I had actually two, technically three mentors that actually taught the class. And every week we got together. (laughs) Together, I was in a cohort of like maybe 12 other um, women. And every week we got together for about two to three hours, probably on a Wednesday or th- maybe Thursday night, I want to say, after work from about seven to about 10, kind of going through our modules. We had homework and scripture memorization. And I loved it. Love, love, loved it. You know, and, uh, you know, she was somebody that really um, embodied, you know, what it means to be a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, wholeheartedly very uh, excellent, you know, had a spirit of excellence, very regal, you know, so somebody mm-hmm. you, you know, you looked up to and, and I was fresh out of college, you know, so she, you know, she was just always just so, so beautiful, sung, sung on a praise team, mm-hmm. you know, um, was a te- school teacher. So, you know, just very, just had her stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> she was absolutely uh, goals, you know, and so, um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm grateful for her influence in my life and in modeling what it means, you know, to follow the Lord and to have the gospel inform the way you move through the world, from your career to your personal life. She was always really transparent about what was going on in her personal life, to uh, how you show up at church, to yeah, I don't know. She it, oh yeah, how you take care of yourself. Your body mm-hmm. was into, you know, physical fitness as well, and so, um, 
yes, she's somebody that uh, absolutely was a good mentor and good role model for me to emulate. And now I'm, I think about it, I was like, wow, now I'm at the age uh, that she was when I first like encountered her. <laughs> so mm. it's uh, it's a trip, you know, to reflect on her life and her her legacy. Yeah. She was really a blessing. And I, I, I've been blessed to have quite a few mentors, you know, um, in the faith. And so yeah. um, I'm grateful for her influence. Yeah. I love that you got such a great picture of, you know, something that we talk about on the podcast is kind of expanding our collective imagination for what's possible for uh, life as a single person. That's right. And so just having that really powerful model right out of college that, you know, gives you that, gives you that picture of what, you know, this is a person um, who is excellent, who carries herself with dignity um, and who is in a position of authority teaching people. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very huge. You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's yeah, very influential. You know, to see that coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming out of college at what, 22, you know, 21, yeah. 22, you know, so yeah. We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about our Patreon community. If you're single and you've been in the church for more than approximately five minutes, you've probably noticed it's low to high key obsessed with marriage. This can make singles feel like outsiders in the community where we should feel most at home. That's why we've started a Patreon community. When you join our Patreon community, you get access to some awesome bonuses like ad-free full interviews, bonus episodes, and a live monthly Q&A call. All you have to do is head to patreon.com slash unsuitable, choose which tier is best for you, and sign up. It's exhausting to feel like you're carving a path for yourself on your own. We're here to walk with you as you are where you are. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Head to patreon.com slash unsuitable. I can't wait to see you there. All right, now back to the conversation. One other thing you talked about a little bit earlier was finding contentment in, you know, singleness. And that's a big thing that a lot of people talk about. But I would just be curious to hear your perspective on, you know, how you've how you've wrestled with that idea and maybe where you've where you've landed on it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know when people say contentment, I know it, it, it can be triggering, um, yeah. I think, because it'd be like, well, you know, you know, because I think people have a narrow view of contentment. I think you can actually be content and dissatisfied (laughs) content in that. I know that nothing can stop the will or thwart the will of God in my life. Right. Also um, dissatisfied or uh, malcontent with the circumstances, you know, that have precluded me (laughs) from this good gift that God created. And I think, I think it's a righteous anger in there, right? Given the context of what I, I what I spoken about earlier with the systemic racism and the the, um, the the systemic and structural mechanisms of oppression that have excluded Black women, you know, there's a real like no no no, there's a real external <laughs> factors, there's real external forces here that have excluded me from participation in this. Um, institution at the moment that could change you know that that could change you know god can change it a year from now it could be a different story i don't know (laughs) you know um and i think that's kind of what it it, i think there's there's the tension there right of like okay this is 
this is where God has me for ultimately (laughs) yes. Systemic factors. Yes. Interpersonal. Yes. Theological stuff. Yes. Colorism. Yes. All those things. But ultimately God has not overrode those things in order to bring my spouse yet. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I don't know. And God can, <laughs> yeah. but God hasn't, you know? And I think that that is where you get disappointed or you can get angry or you, you could get bitter because you know, God can. Mm. I think that's what makes it difficult or hard. But I think that when it comes to contentment, it doesn't mean that you still don't desire those things. It doesn't mean that you still don't ask God for those things. But I think it means that you do not operate from a place of lack or deficit. Because what you don't want to do is operate from a place of desperation, as if we don't serve a God of abundance, you know, and believing that that God can do this, you know, if it is in God's will. And if you still have the desire, keep giving it to God. You know, God has over and over in scripture told us to ask, seek, knock, right? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You know, there wasn't like just one time. This is a perpetual asking, seeking, and knocking. Um, You think about the persistent widow, you know, uh, like there's always these invitations to persist in prayer. (laughs) Mm. You see Hannah, you know, um, but I call Hannah prayers, praying to herself in the temple, you know, night and day, just bringing it to the Lord. In her case was infertility. But again, those are real, for me, are very identical, very much identical, at least in my own framework, in my own imagination, in my own experience. But there's that tension there. But I think there's a sense in which you can be content. Like, okay, God, this is what you have for me. I'm going to make the best and the most of what you called me to do. (laughs) I'm on mission. I know what you called me to do. And I'm going to execute and do what you've called me to do. And yet still continue to lift this desire up to you. And then when you get a piece or you get, because there's, there's seasons where I just have a, like, okay, like it is what it is where I'm just like, there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, I don't even really pray about it that much anymore. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. in that season now, but there have been times where I'm like, okay, I don't even pray about it anymore. I'm just cause I'm like, okay, well the Lord will do it. And that's not a lack of faith. It's just, or, I, or sometimes it's just, I, or there are times where I'm just exhausted and, I, mm-hmm. and my friends at my village will pray about it for me. Mm. We can borrow each other's faith. Yes. <laughs> we can do that um, in the kingdom. And so, and they'll, and they'll pray, you know, on my behalf, you know? So yeah, I don't know. There's a tension. That's, that's the, that's what it means to be a Christian living in tension, right? Life out of death and the already and not yet God's kingdom has arrived, but it's not fully here. And this world is wild and crazy. And yet God is still on the throne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just, this tension the world is just hard and ugly and yet beautiful and wonderful at the same time oh uh, yeah. that's the tension of living you know on this side but yeah i don't people try to use contentment as a weapon mm. to silence singles because they're uncomfortable yeah <laughs> with our malcontent you know they're yeah. they're uncomfortable with our longings in, yeah. our, in our yearnings and our desires, and they don't know what to do with that, right? Or, or mm-hmm. they've also, and, and they're on the other side of it, and they've experienced marriage and how difficult that can be, right? And they're, or sometimes they're like, I wish I could switch places with you. So there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of things going on when people throwing up the uh, contentment trump card, you know what I mean? Because that, yeah. that's what people will do. They use it as a trump card, um, and they mm-hmm. use it in a way that's and unloving. But when I'm talking about contentment, I'm talking about something that, no, nah, this is spirit rock. Like I, I got here mm-hmm. through much 
much wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much, much prayer and fasting, much mm. waiting, much yeah. trials and tribulations and much ghosting. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, Lord. I'm, listen, I'm like, this is, I'm not talking about something I don't know. I'm I'm talking right. from lived experience. And so yeah. what I talk about contentment, but I know the ways that it's been weaponized because it's been weaponized yeah. against me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Gosh, that's so real. I think like when I hear people talk about contentment, even if it's other single people, like I'll have that like kind of gut reaction yeah. of, um, you know, there's an element of like, I don't know, spiritual bypassing to it, right? Where it's like, right. uh, so I'm curious to hear like how your friends, you know, you spoke about your community mm-hmm. um, who would pray for you. Like, what are some ways that your community showed up for you and that have been really helpful and really life-giving as you've kind of walked through this? Yeah, yeah. I think um, for me, yeah, I think it's family, you know, always. I'm really close with my family. So friends always checking in to see how I'm doing, always allowing me to express whatever I'm feeling, my, you know, my emotions, always bringing it before the Lord on my behalf, you know, even, even when I don't know they're doing it, (laughs) they're doing it. Yeah. My family and friends have been good about that. They've not really... Um, it's mid more associates, right? People that are not close to me mm-hmm. that are like contentment, you know, or yeah. or just when you're not when you're not looking, it'll happen. Ugh. Well, that's the one that gets the one. Don't even but okay. get started. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that gets the one. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, or I never wanted to get married. You've been married for 15 years. Okay, good for you. That is not yeah. my testimony. Um, no, but yeah, my, my own village has been very um, supportive and, you know, and that they, they too, you know, are sorrowful about it in the, in that, like, they're like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, mm. where they, where it's, it's a mystery, you know, uh, to them too. And so they kind of, they're really good at reaping, weeping with those who weep and mm. rejoicing with those who rejoice. They're very good at that. You know, mm. um, and so I'm I'm glad to say that I've had the opposite of Job's community of Job's mm. friends, um, and a lot of people can't say that. Yeah, I have. I have not had the finger. Well, if you just did this, well, if you just did that, you know, or I haven't had that. And and part of it is that I am a self starter. I am that type of person. I mean, I'm entrepreneurial in that way. So I'm kind of like I'm going to do everything that's in my power. You know, to know that, no, I left it all in the paint. Like, no, I've, yeah. I've done everything, you know, because that, that mm-hmm. for me, I just need to know. I'm like, okay, well, I've exhausted all an- avenues, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And it still hasn't happened. You know, so part of it is that they also see the effort that I am pu- that I put in. And, uh, yes. um, you know, I think that's also part of it, too. So they see it because I don't live my life in secret. Right. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very transparent with uh, my village and those who need to know, you know, the inner desires you know of my heart that I share with mm-hmm. so I'm very transparent and I think that's part of operating in the gift of faith is being able to speak out what you want to people mm-hmm. so that people can pray you know allow mm-hmm. people to join you in prayer for what it is that you desire I don't think there people want to make you ashamed for that desire but I'm like I'm not gonna be shamed for a good desire mm-hmm. you know people have bad desires all day long and people root them on you know, but a good desire is all of a sudden like, oh, no, no, no. You just need to be content and independent woman. Oh, goodness. No, mm-hmm. I'm over it. I'm so, like, 
But yes, yeah, so they have they have always been really really supportive. They showed up in some ways, in some very very real ways. Meals, shelter, mm. you know, come be with us. You know, uh, I don't want you to be alone. Come stay mm-hmm. with us. You know, because we don't want you there by yourself if you don't need to be. And why not? And like tangible, tangible ways people yeah. have supported me. And I'm grateful for that. So I thank God for that. Um, mm-hmm. So thanking God, even in the midst, you know, of not yet having what I desire um, mm-hmm. has been helpful. Yeah, that's so huge. And I feel like not all that common to have people who are so attuned and so aware and that you're so connected with to the point that you're close enough for them to see what you're doing and all that you're working yes. towards. And so they're not putting out that unhelpful advice because they know it's, it, you know, yes. it's always a matter of doing more or doing things a certain way, you know, it would already have happened. It would be done. It would be done. And, 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 and truthfully, if I wanted to be married to just any old body, I'm sure I could. Mm. Who wants to be married to just any old body? That is the second most important decision you're going to make behind choosing God back. Okay, because God chooses us first. But you know, <laughs> choosing God back, receiving the Lord. Uh, that's the second most important decision you will make in your life. And it has serious implications. You know, this is who, who you marry can really change the trajectory of your life. For Mm -hmm. better or worse, it's not a small thing. So, you know, we don't want to operate from a place of lack or desperation just to be married for the sake of marrying. It's already hard enough to be married to the person God has for you. How Mm -hmm. much more somebody that you just, (laughs) you know, you selected because you're like, I got to get married to my biological clock and ah, whatever the pressure is, you know, in your mind, whatever that timeline, that deadline is in your mind. I'm like, my goodness. No, I'm, I'm okay. I can do bad all by myself, as we say in our community. So, yeah. Yeah. You spoke a little bit about, well, in your chapter on singleness in the book, you you talk about recovering from shame. And this maybe like goes hand in hand with the conversation on contentment. But I'm curious if you could talk us through that process of healing and, and wrestling through shame. Yeah. So yeah, in the book, Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, and my chapter is Hidden in Plain Sight, A Single Black Woman's Manifesto. I ended up sharing a whole lot more in that chapter than I expected. And it is the longest chapter in the book, rightfully so, uh, because it's a very, I mean, I could have written a whole book on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> on that topic. I did yeah. not, and I will not, because uh, it's contrary to popular belief, that's not actually my ministry. Um, yeah. I'm just somebody that's you know, that is single uh, at the moment. Um, we'll see what the Lord says different. But yeah, shame. Yeah, I think a lot of it was, you know, internalizing the messages, you know, from the church, some of the, the toxic messages from the church, you know, about how, you know, marriage being the pinnacle and being an idol, you know, in the church and from the world, right? Where yeah. everybody has to have a love interest or everybody has to, it's going on all these dates, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to, oh, yeah. this is, there's always a love interest. There's always a sex. There's always, you know. And so I think in some ways seeing a deficit, comparing myself and going like, okay, there must be something wrong with me because mm. these things are not happening for me uh, like yeah. the way they're happening for everybody else, you know, around me or even on TV. So there was a lot of shame, I think, or 
because I would get close and then it wouldn't happen. Right. Or, you know, the situationships. And so I was like, what? So all this time wasted and all these talking and all these days Mm -hmm. for what? You know, you know, if it didn't materialize into an actual relationship, then what are we doing? Right. So you get all the heartache without the title, right? That's what I, I mentioned that in the book. And so I had to work through a lot of the shame. The ways that I did that was um, through a lot of prayer, through peer mentorship too, as well, but also from my um, other mentor, Stephanie, who is still my mentor. She's my first mentor when I came to faith and she still is. So we talk maybe about twice a month, typically. Yeah. But yeah, I think through that, just being undoing the... Um, the internal dialogue of me. I mean, but it also mapped on to my own self-loathing about my mm. appearance. So it's, it's very layered. My shame stuff was very layered with colorism, which mm. I talk about in chapter one, which is the first chapter of the book is the audacious perseverance of colorism, which is why mm. that, that chapter is important to read. I'd say even before the hidden in plain sight, um, the mm. singleness one, because it actually gives the part of the layer of why I'm single as well. It is also mm. because of colorism yeah. um, as well. The ways that um, dark skin uh, people, colorism is uh, discrimination against dark, darker skin people simply because yeah. they are dark skin, right? So the lighter you are, the closer that you are to phenotypical whiteness, the more privileges, benefits, money, better marriage partners you get than a person that's darker skin like me. Mm. And so that is uh, also another significant, significant layer that cannot be overestimated Mm. in part of why, you know, I'm also um, single. So it was my own self-loathing and um, my own self-perception as well that also played into that shame too. So I had to do a lot of undoing that through prayer, through affirmations, through speaking the word over myself, speaking what's true over myself as well until I actually believed that I had to do a lot of work, you know, to dig myself out of that pit of self-loathing by the power of the spirit, you know, and that took years to do that and a real determination to be able to uproot that thing. And a lot of that was private work. Yeah. I didn't tell people I had issues with my colorism. A lot of people didn't know that. Probably didn't know that until they read the book. Or maybe they haven't read the book yet. They're going to find out when they read the book. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's that's just the the reality of it. Part of it was my community. Part of it was me solo, me and Jesus. Yeah. Because some people didn't know that I had significant issue when it came to my appearance. And with Mm -hmm. regard to colorism, they don't know the depths. They didn't know how deeply embedded that was within my spirit and my psyche. Mm. Yeah, and it seems like the kind of thing that would really take so much of the Holy Spirit to uproot such a deeply ingrained oh, yeah. belief. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that you can't will yourself out of that. I yeah. mean, will is only going to take you so far. It really had to be the Spirit mm. uprooting that. And, uh, yeah, it took a lot of work, a lot of yeah. work. I mean, I, w- I wish I had the Truth Table book back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wrote it. Uh, I wrote that. I wrote the particularly colorism. I wrote that one to my younger self. Absolutely. Mm. You know, I had to, cause I had to access that, that place, you know, and because it was, a, you know, it was a really, uh, it was such a long time ago, but well, it wasn't, mm. it was, yeah, somewhat long time ago, but yeah, it took a lot of work, you know, to do mm. that. And I wish I had, I really do. I wish I had like actual theological 
you know, uh, understanding of colorism. I wish that was available mm-hmm. to me back then. It, I wouldn't have had to do so much work. <laughs> That's right. But if I didn't do the work, then I wouldn't have been able to offer what I offered in um, the audacious perseverance of colorism, that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's such a, one of the powerful things about being called to write or to speak publicly is that you really get to be that person that you wish you had, or you really get to give that message that you wish you had Mm -hmm. and help other people from having to go through the same extent of work or not being able to not even knowing how to do that or not having words mm-hmm. for what they're experiencing, that um, putting words and kind of being the the trailblazer in right. that way, I think right. is is such a huge, a huge part of the calling. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It, it is. It's, and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but yeah. Mm. Well, I have just two last baby questions for you. The okay. first one is how can we support you? Where can we get your book? Where can we follow you on the internet? All that jazz. Yes, yes, yes. So you all can get the book, Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. It's at Barnes and Nobles. It's at Target. Anywhere, honestly. Amazon. You go there. (laughs) Bookshop.org if you want to support, and you should support local small bookstores, particularly bookstores owned by people of color. Yeah, yeah. We, we honestly, wherever books are sold, you can get the Truth Table book, um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Sister underscore Theology, on Instagram at Sister Theology. This is S I S T A Theology. My website, if you would like to bring me in to speak or do trainings or you know DEI, anti racism, any of those things, or speak on any of the topics that are within the um, Truth Table book as well, or I speak on other political topics too. My website is systematictheology.com, which is S-I-S-T-A-M-A-T-I-C-T-H-E-O-L-O-G-Y. So systematic, it's a play on systematic theology, which is my favorite theological discipline. Um, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash sister theology. So that would be my fan page. So you can... Keep up with me uh, there. And of course, you can listen to Truth's Table. You could subscribe and listen and then get in the word with Truth's Table. You can also subscribe and listen and support. We have Patreons for Truth's Table that you know that you can support and that will support both podcasts. So if you've been blessed <laughs> by our work, we invite you to support. Amazing. And all of that information will be in the episode description. So yes. people... It's nice and easy to find, and all the spelling will be there as well. Yes. My last question for you is, uh, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? Oh, goodness. There's actually a lot of hard things. Um, So (laughs) I am right now kind of like, um, goodness, yeah, I'm like trying to pick between the hard things. Mm. Goodness. Um. I'm kind of actually, there's actually been a lot of a, sh- a shift a little bit in my own public ministry. So I'm just trying to like assess what the, what the next step is. There's just a lot of transition. There's a lot of irons in the fire, you know, if you will. And so right now what's hard is um, trying to determine which way to go <laughs> yeah, and what to do, you know, and which like, Lord, can you just land like, just, just one of these, can we settle a couple of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. So just trying to chart that course uh, in the midst of wanting to knowing I need to do more writing and do my own book, but I'm like, I just don't have the bandwidth 
you know, to do that at the moment, which is Mm -hmm. a little frustrating, but it is what it is. You know, some of these other things take some priorities, you know, with a lot of the, um, the economic situation right now, I'm like, I I just have to shore up some things because everything is, there's some serious economic volatility. Mm. I think we're trying to ignore, just like we're trying to ignore this pandemic. And it's like, it will not be ignored. Um, And so I'm just trying to really um, get my bearings and try to prepare for that. Yeah. You know, as a millennial, we've been through our shares of economic downturns and at this point it's pretty traumatic and like and i'm like i want to be prepared this time around (laughs) you know and so i think i'm just trying to settle some things in my in my life um even financially speaking just trying to get that get my 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 bearings you know um yeah you know for what might come you know economically and then not to mention politically oh gosh that's a whole yeah another uh Another beast, but uh, what's going good? I'm grateful for my health. Mm. I really am. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my body, um, that I can move my body. Fitness is really, really important to me. I work out five times a week. And so I'm dogmatic about that. And I am grateful that I can. You know, I'm grateful I can put in two hours very early in the morning and get it done. You know, so I'm grateful for that. And so that's going good. I'm grateful for my health. Grateful that I'm able to go to doctor's appointments and get a good report. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it could go another way. And so grateful. That's right. Well, Akemini, thank you so much for being here. This was so lovely. Thank you for having me, Mary B. If you're a single Christian who's tired of trying to cultivate a full, meaningful life alone, it might be time to try one-on-one coaching. I'm Mary B. Seyfert, a singles coach committed to helping you make the most of your right now life. Head to marybeesafert.com slash coaching fill out the interest form, then schedule your free 60-minute intro call. I can't wait to hear from you. You can follow Akemini on Twitter at Sista underscore Theology, Instagram at Sista Theology, and Facebook at facebook.com slash Sista Theology. Her website is systematictheology.com. The Truth's Table book is available wherever books are sold, and you can listen to Truth's Table and get in the word with Truth's Table wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at marybee.saferit. Or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybeesaferit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum. Sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Saferit. And the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippity flop.